0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Coaches
1: a lot at any place that are, like, universally beloved. Mm-hmm. Like, head coach, assistant. And, man, even even in college football and in athletics where there's, frankly, a lot of negativity, even if it's undeserved sometimes, he's a guy that you, just, you don't find any negativity about. And that's because he's just got, like, you look at the track record, so much experience. The proof's in the pudding as far as how good of a coach he is, um, the recruiting ties, and then you have obviously the very interesting personality that I think um, endeared him, storytelling ability that endeared him
2: to this fan base as well. You mentioned the recruiting ties, and there's a lot to kind of unpack from him. Moving on from this program, taking the job at Buffalo, and that really sticks out because, again, going back to his time like at Maryland, he had a very good prowess For that DMV area, which he isn't the only reason South Carolina has been able to pull so many great recruits out of there these past couple years, but he's been an important part of that. I'm not saying that South Carolina is suddenly not going to be able to recruit that area, but you know that is a lot of connections and a lot of ties that you are now losing with a very important piece of your coaching staff. And um, again, we're still only a couple of uh, you know 24 some odd hours removed from this news being official, so we'll see who um, you know Carolina ends up bringing in to fill in that spot. But that's definitely a big hit as far as your recruiting goes for you know his um, you know his for that area
3: yeah and Petes just so well liked I feel like across the board that that kind of transfers over into recruiting and and those ties he has are because of long-standing relationships just about the way that he does business and you know limbo is the type of person you can walk into a room and you know he can kind of talk to you about anything and so he, he has a way of connecting to people from from all walks of life and he's one of those people if you get him started on something he's passionate about Um, you're going to learn something, you're going to hear something you've never heard before, and uh, particularly if you get them started on history, apparently you're going to kind of get a little history lesson there. But, you know, I I think – I look at this for for Shane Beamer, you know, you're kind of – I think they'll be fine on the recruiting ties. Like, I I think that will kind of take care of itself. They just – they just added some recruiting ties to different areas with Coley – and Blackwell, they also – and I think we'll get into this here in a second. I think this is going to be important. They added a little bit more experience, I think, with those two guys as well to the staff, which I think is going to be big because with with Limbo, I think you're practically replacing two coaches here. And the, the reason I say that is you were replacing Pete Limbo, the special teams coach, which – in its own right, is going to be very difficult to replace. But you're also replacing Pete Limbo, the associate head coach, Beamer's right-hand man, someone who's, I, I would say his fingerprints have been all over kind of the foundation and the fabric of this program. And so he's someone that Shane Beamer obviously trusts very much, leans on quite a bit, and that, plays a massive role within this program just on a day-to-day basis. So I'll be very curious to see what direction Beamer takes. I'm sure we'll get into that here in a moment too. But is there someone out there who fills both of those roles or are you hiring a special teams coordinator and then promoting from within someone to kind of take over those associate head coach roles, which I feel like is one of those things that kind of just happens behind closed doors. Like you don't really – talk about that stuff a whole lot, but it's still very important to the day-to-day operation of your program.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it, it's an interesting question because maybe, I don't know, maybe even last year, two years ago, um, it go back to what Shane Beamer said when he was first hired, and that was, hey, if, if I, obviously special teams was going to be a foundational piece of Beamer's program. We, we knew that he would put more into it in terms of time and resources than most coaches. Most coaches are going to say, ah, you know, special teams are so important, and then they have an analyst coach it, right, or whatever. Um, and Beamer's been very outspoken about that, you know. Um, he's even called out teams, ah, you know, they're just having somebody coach it illegally, <laughs> you know. It's the, and and they have dedicated – he's spoken out about, hey, we, we dedicate a coach just to do special teams, not special teams in a position, not Johnny Holstaff, not an analyst who have a special teams coach. But remember when he was hired at some point afterwards, he was like, if I couldn't get Pete, I probably would have just done it myself. You know, Pete Limbo or somebody comparable. And so my question, first, one of the first things that popped up in my mind is, okay, will Beamer hire a straight replacement or will he take it on himself? And Wes, you and I were talking about this the other day too. It seems like there's a movement in college football um, across the sport. Not all. But a lot of coaches are surrendering more coordinator power, right? We've seen OCs go away from calling plays, et cetera, et cetera, because there's, so, there's even more now that you have to have your hands on as a program. So, you know, that would be an option if Beamer, with his background, wanted to coach it himself. But all everything we've heard behind the scenes and even publicly with what Beamer said on Twitter, hey, I've got a lot of interest in this position, it looks like he is going to hire a straight replacement.
2: Well, and this is uh, regardless of what d- direction they decide to go, whether that is Beamer taking over more of the responsibility of himself or bringing in a replacement. This is a lot of transition going on within the special teams room. You obviously have Mitch Jeter, who's transferred over to Notre Dame. You're going to be looking for a new kick returner now that Xavier Leggett's moved on. I know Jalon Kilgore kind of ended up being the punt returner last season, but he still cycled through a lot of guys in that spot as well. So there's a lot of pieces that you're trying to get going to be figuring out this offseason of who's going to be doing what exactly, in addition to bringing in whoever that may be as your new special teams coordinator. So a lot of change is going to happen within this one side of the football for South Carolina before the season starts.
3: Yeah, and I, I think it'll be interesting to see how, how how much does the limbo coaching tree potentially factor into this decision as well? Is there somebody out there, is there a young guy out there who maybe has, has learned ever, under limbo in the past or, or just uses the same system? Or is it, hey, let's just we, – we've built a – expectation at South Carolina where special teams matters and the guys know that the fan base knows that does that make it pretty attractive to just go say hey we're gonna figure out who the best special teams coach other than Pete Limbo, in my opinion the best special teams coach in the country is and just go throw a million dollars at him and and try to try to bring him in you know I I think there are certain there are certain factors in this or, or just certain uh, it, it, would, it would be some advantages, I should say, if they were a limbo disciple because then all your terminology is probably the same. You, for the most part, kind of what you want to be schematically is the same. There would be a little bit easier transition, but but that that doesn't have to be the direction you go. I, I do think e- even if Beamer is going to take on more of a special teams role, I still think you have to go hire a special teams coordinator. Now, mm-hmm. h- however, like if it's a if it's a limbo experienced guy, where you just say, "Hey, th- this is yours. Go, 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 do it." That's one thing. Maybe it's maybe if it's a younger guy. I've thrown out you know the idea of Stanton Weber. If Stanton Weber, who was special teams analyst here for Limbo, not this past season, but before that. He's now a special teams coordinator at Toledo. He's a younger guy. Now, he learned under Limbo. He knows that system, knows that scheme. But do you kind of say, look, we're going to bring someone in. It's going to be their their job. But I'm going to have a little bit more of my finger on the pulse of this. I, I think with the landscape of college football these days and everything you have to manage, just being a head coach and the full-time special teams coordinator would be – a, a lot to ask on, on a coach. Yeah,
1: and, and I mean, Weber's a guy that um, we know Limbo thought highly of. Shane Beamer thinks highly of. Like you said, a young coach, right? I mean, he he got a bachelor's degree in 2015. You know, this is a guy's pretty young. You know, Kansas State was his all mater, Spent time there. First full-time head job was at Toledo after a couple years with Limbo. And one of those years, South Carolina was number one in the country in special teams efficiency per ESPN, so so he knows the system, and from what we've heard, was pretty integral. O- obviously, Limbo was the straw that stirred the drink, right? I mean, it's, it's it was his show, but Weber knows that system, and so sometimes when you see these transitional periods, like you said, Tyler, a head coach, yes, yeah, sometimes they bring in somebody completely new, right? But a lot of times you see there's some kind of some kind of tie, some kind of familiarity. And so whether that's a coach that Beamer or some of his guys have coached with before, like the James Coley hire, right, or somebody who knows the limbo system and is kind of in that tree. So be interesting to see which direction he takes.
3: I'm trying to find an old quote. When Chris and I sat down with Beamer, mm-hmm. I'm 90% sure it was right after Stanton Weber was leaving. And um, we got a quote from Beamer about replacing him. And you could – it was – it was more than just your boilerplate, I'm going to say something nice about a guy leaving. Like, it, it was pretty positive. from. So, again, I, Chris, and I haven't even asked you this morning, maybe, you know, maybe, like, I, I personally haven't heard anything connecting him to the job, like, hey, this is a guy to watch yet. But that was just who instantly popped in my head of someone that makes sense. Now, they're probably, knowing the special teams' roots that Shane Beamer has... There's probably five guys out there that yeah. that we don't even know about that Beamer and probably his dad, Frank Beamer, yeah. have long respected in the special teams game. And it, it may just be a matter of, hey, I've always thought this guy was, was great and, and I'm going to talk to him. So uh, I think that's... I think we're too early. We're like, we're going to have to start to hear some names. I don't know if we're necessarily going to be able to just put the, you know, two and two makes four. Be Like all oh, this makes sense. There's probably some names out there that we're just not aware of yet.
2: Well, that'll be the hole that Shane Beamer looks to fill the, coming up this offseason with replacing Pete Limbo as a special teams coordinator. On Friday, we did hear from Coach Beamer as well as the two new coaches to the staff and James Coley and Markwell Blackwell. We'll hear from them coming up as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls along here on your Monday on the game, the 107.5 The Game Map, and streaming live on The Game TV sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyred, Red, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you on this Monday morning reminder coming up tomorrow night. Men's basketball in action taking on a very, very challenging Kentucky team. Game cover starting at 6.30 right here on the game. Tip off at 7 o'clock. We'll get to James Coley and Markwell Blackwell here in just a second, but we talked a little bit in that first segment there about Pete Limbo. And, and Wes, you were able to uncover that quote that you mentioned from a conversation with uh, Beamer a while back. Yeah, this was him
3: talking about Stanton Weber, and so Stanton was basically Limbo's right-hand man as special teams analyst here, and so we had talked to Beamer right when Weber got the job at Toledo, and so Beamer said, quote, Stanton was awesome, I know the impact that Stanton had on special teams at Kansas State, which is where he was before he joined Limbo and Beamer here in Columbia. Uh, Continuing the quote here, he said, I played against them for three years at Oklahoma, and I always told myself, quote, I don't know who is doing the special teams at Kansas State, but if I ever get a head coaching job, I want to try to hire that guy. And that was Stanton, basically. He was awesome, worked his butt off, and had a lot of input with Pete and made our special teams better. I'm always happy for any of our guys that get the opportunity to advance their career, whether it be Stanton this year or Joe Bowen last year. Joe Bowen was a defensive analyst who helped a lot with the linebackers and uh, has gone on to Miami of Ohio, uh, continues to say, want to hire great people and empower them and help them advance. This was a great opportunity for Stanton to go to a really good program and run the special teams himself and really excited for him. So, again, I don't know, like, Stanton's a young guy, but there's obviously quite a bit of respect for him from Beamer and from Limbo, who I imagine could, you know, have some input into this hire as well. Um not sure if he'll be the guy, but I, I would imagine Beamer would, would at least talk to him. Toledo top 11 in kickoff
1: return defense this year. I just unearthed that stat. I don't know where they are in the other ones. But, yeah, I mean, Stanton was – I mean, when he was here, we heard a lot of really good things. I mean, just a young, bright coach who, you know, obviously he was out under some different systems. And then, as Beamer said, like, he, he noticed him, like – when he was at a different school and wanted to bring him in his program, was able to pair him with Pete Limbo. And that was a good match, obviously. And, um, yeah, so we'll see where it goes. But definitely a a name to file away and just kind of keep in the back of your mind.
2: Yeah, certainly something to keep an eye on to see who ends up filling that uh, vacant role for special teams coordinator for South Carolina. We, of course, knew last week that James Coley was going to be taking over the wide receiver's coaching role coming up this fall we got the formal introduction to him as well as coach blackwell on friday we'll start off with this coach uh coley talking a little bit about building a culture in what's going to be a room that's mixed with uh new guys uh, coming in for the transfer portal as well as a couple freshmen and, and guys that have been here for a season or two here's james coley on building that culture in the wide receiver room
0: about culture building Correct. and stuff like that yeah it's really interesting because you know Two years ago, you could be, you know, visiting, you know, a bunch of high school prospects and, you know, maybe having someone get on campus or going to see one person. Nowadays, you know, you're probably gonna see some high school, trans, uh, high school students who are, in the, who are uh, about to graduate and gone to college. And your very next visit could be with a transfer. So different homes. And it could be with someone from your own team that you wanna keep and make sure no one's trying to poach. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. And then you got to bring them in a locker room, right? And they got a mesh and, you know, it's hard, but um, when you're up front as a coaching staff, and you know, when your head coach stands in front of the team meeting like you did last week and explains why, you know, certain guys are on the team and introduces guys and gives them their background, you know, word for word and, you know, in a very impressive way that the other guys realize, oh, okay, that's who this guy is, I see his story, you know, let's welcome him. So there's a tact to all this, you know, and some some teams don't don't have a great tact, they throw them in the locker room, they say we'll figure it out because the best players are going to play and that could happen or there could be issues in the locker room, so.
2: And he alludes to a lot of the actual recruiting aspects of that. We're talking about, hey, you're going to be sitting in the home of this high school recruit, and then you're maybe going to a guy that's looking to transfer into your program. But when you look at that from the standpoint of what South Carolina's wide receiver room is going to be coming into this season, it is taking on a very new look. Obviously, you have Xavier Leggett moving on to the NFL. You've lost Juice Wells. You've had Omega Blake transfer out, where you have you know, your senior-laden guys being Amari Huggins-Bruce, as well as Gage Larvideen, you know, coming in as transfers. Brown coming in as a transfer as well. Peyton Mangrum, Luke Doty, too experienced guys that just haven't played a whole lot compared to these other guys. You have Nick Harbor coming in for his second year, you know, hoping to take a step forward. You have Mazio Bennett, DeBron Gatling, two highly touted guys coming as true freshmen. This is truly a different wide receiver room compared to what it was a year ago. Now also bringing in a new head coach who now has to kind of wrangle these guys together and figure out what options are going to use and who's going to be playing where.
3: Yeah. I think with, with Coley, his, his experience as a coach, which is, you know, pretty expansive, it is going to go a long way for him and kind of meshing all these guys together. And you you do have a combination of, of returnees plus transfers who are older guys and then your, your freshmen coming in as well. And good thing for those guys that they get here early. You know, they're already on campus, already going through winter workouts. They'll go through spring practice. So I, I think that's a, a big advantage for, for two kids that honestly for freshmen seem to kind of have their their stuff together so to speak so I I think that that helps and you know I'll be curious to see what a a new just approach to that room looks like with with Coley and I I think I think Step did a good job with this room I I think he obviously knows how to develop wide receivers and um you know but but I I think Coley will also bring kind of I, I thought it was interesting Beamer talking about wanting to have some guys on staff, too, that have some coordinator background and, and adding in maybe some some different X's and O's kind of just uh, approaches to to kind of throw into the, the list of ideas. And, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see when this spring portal window opens as well. Is there a guy or two even out there that maybe hits the portal at wide receiver that Coley brings a new relationship to kind of, say, hey, you, you should come check out South Carolina, and maybe we do see them add that additional receiver that we've been talking about, them potentially adding. Yeah, I mean, we, we
1: all know that we're going to have to wait and kind of see after that spring portal window. It would probably be fair to expect an, another addition. Now, Now who who that is, we, we just don't know yet. Um, but it is kind of a clean slate in a lot of ways, right? There are a lot of different guys in this room, whether they're returners, whether they're guys that are going to be integrating into that room. And as Coley pointed out, you got a lot of different personalities you got a lot of it's just a unique situation nowadays with how how quickly you know a room can turn around to have a bunch of new guys a bunch of guys that are gone um, but this is a guy that has a lot of experience like you said Wes coordinator experience positional you know versatility different spots different schools and uh, the thing that i'm really interested in with Coley is not only the positional development but i feel like at some point probably sooner than later there's going to be some prospect pop up at receiver that he gets Carolina in the game with is kind of an eye opener, right? Because that's what he's typically done during his career. He's a he's a talent acquisition guy, and we know that's something that South Carolina needs at the receiver position. And we
2: talk about this with Coley and as well as Blackwell too. Just uh, the, their recruiting ties to the south florida area um so you know when you talk about bringing in potential guys um you know a lot of talent in that south florida miami area um and i don't know what the wide receiver prospects look like for the 2025 class but again somebody like coley could get you into that um you know compared to maybe what you had on the coaching staff beforehand i don't even have to look i promise you there's 25
3: guys down there that are about six foot and running four fours and you got to kind of just pick the right ones to go after, but, I mean, dude, they, they got athletes down there. They always have, and, you know, I, I think it, it'll be interesting to see which guys start popping up on campus, and those those relationships, they, they don't always land you the prospect, but I think they get you in the game with the prospect, and then the totality of what your program is and is about, if it matches up, that kind of helps you, uh, you know, actually land those guys, but... I think it opens the door for you for for quite a new for a new group of players we haven't really seen. You know, there's two areas that South Carolina traditionally has recruited pretty well, and uh, you know, South Florida is an area they we've seen them get guys here or there over the years, and then North Carolina as a state we used to see South Carolina get guys from that hasn't really happened for both those areas here lately. So it'll we'll be it'll be interesting to see if these guys can do
2: that. The other coaching hire, of course, is Marquel Blackwell coming in as the running backs coach, also from Texas A&M. We'll hear from him coming up. It's the Gamecock Central takeover hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Out ahead, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Moore Beach. The 107.5 The Game App and streaming live on the Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass.
0: I'm a tough, competitive group. You know, uh, guys. Is you know physical. Um, Uh, making one guy miss and, you know, big explosive plays. Uh, But I always tell them every time before we play a game or as we go on through that preparation, there's two things we need to do to be successful. uh, One, we must take care of the football, all right? And uh, the next thing, we must take care of the quarterback. If we do those two things, we'll be fine.
2: Welcome back in Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Myrtle Beach. Streaming always on the 107.5 The Game app as well as on the Game TV sponsored by Shepard Glass. That was new running backs coach Markwell Blackwell for South Carolina on Friday with his formal introduction and press conference talking a little bit about what to expect from the running backs this upcoming season. And I'll kind of tie this back to our conversation about James Coley in the last segment there. Similar to the wide receiver room, the running back room almost a complete overhaul where the only two faces really returning are that of Juju McDowell and DJ Braswell. Of course, DJ Braswell getting a few carries here and there as the season went along. Um, And then Juju McDowell going down with the injury late in the season. As he was factoring a little bit more to the offense, but really a completely new room. Um, So a running back coach coming in that, you know, did not have a hand in recruiting any of these guys, whether that be out of high school or out of the transfer portal that, you know, kind of has to establish those relationships and kind of figure out. And of course, Rocket Sanders is going to be the future piece of that running back room, more likely than not kind of figure out where to use these guys and how to use utilize them to their best abilities.
3: Yeah. It's kind of a fresh start for everybody, uh, I think, which is not always a bad thing. And so, You know, Rocket comes in. You've you've got an entire new group of guys coming in. Matt Fuller will be there after the spring, you know, to join that group as well. So, if you're returning, you got a new coach. You got a fresh start. You've got a chance to to show what you can do. That maybe maybe you kind of felt I don't know, like the the coach already kind of had certain expectations, good or bad, for you. Now you got somebody who's going to kind of give you a little bit of a clean slate and. Competition in that room is obviously going to be much greater than it was before. And, you know, I I think Blackwell probably looks around and says, man, for for a guy who was coming into a new spot, generally you're probably saying, I got to retool this room. I got to completely, you know, reshape it. He's looking around saying, I walked into this. Like this Mm -hmm. is a pretty great situation in terms of talent, some balance in terms of classes some young guys that, that have a chance, and, oh, guess what? I have a a guy who rushed for 1,400 yards one season in the SEC if I can just get him back up to speed. So uh, it, it's a pretty good spot for him as long as he can kind of let all those guys gel together and, and help that process along. Yeah, similar to when, I mean, Blackwell got to Ole Miss in
1: 2022, and here's Quinshawn Jun- Junkins as a freshman, you know, and that was the same year that Rocket Sanders – was basically right there with Judkins as far as, you know, the a lot of the stats, a lot of the rushing metrics. And so this guy's coached some really good players. I mean, you look at Judkins. Obviously, A&M had talent on that roster last year. Alton McCaskill in a record-setting uh, season in 2021. That, that, that seems to be kind of a, a theme with Blackwell. You go back and look at some of his previous stops. Seems to have a good track record with young players, right? Well, He's going to have, as you said, Wes, plenty of experience because are there still going to be some young guys on the roster? Yes. I mean, Matt Fuller, um, Braswell's still a young player, but you've got guys who have played, whether it's McDowell or you've got the guys coming in as transfers. There's a lot of football played between these guys. So it's a room that definitely, as you said, has more depth, more competition.
2: And going back to, again, Rocket Sanders kind of being the headliner of this room, this is a guy that got to see him up close and personal these past couple seasons, given the fact that they were both playing in the SEC West with his time at A&M and, and Ole Miss the season before that where Rocket Sanders was at Arkansas, so if there's any running back he's going to be super familiar with, it's going to be Rocket Sanders having seen him up close and personal. Again, you do have the injury concerns with him sitting out most of this past season with the issues, but again, assuming that he's at full health, uh, again, you're, you hope that he can get the most out of him when the fall rolls around.
3: Well, I mean, Let's be honest for what it is too it's kind of a contract year where if you're if you're a running back, you, you only want to spend so much time in college because we know NFL teams look at that position quite a bit differently than, than maybe they did 10 or 15 years ago and, and beyond that. So I think if you're Rocket Sanders there's there's millions of reasons to to get back to to where you were before. I'm sure he's going to work incredibly hard to get there and just has shown you what he is capable of when he is at a 100 percent. I think there will be enough talent around him for him to not have to kind of carry the entire load at running back, which will be good for him. But uh, let's, yeah, you know, the the obvious here is that if everybody is playing to their potential, Rocket Sanders is, is kind of your dude. Like this is the guy that I, I think is um, built to kind of be an every down back in the SEC and potentially in the in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he wants to prove to the scouts that that is still there, that that's still within him. So uh, I think if, if you're Blackwell and you you come in and you're like, man, I, I inherit this guy plus some depth behind him. That's a lot better situation than, than a lot of coaches are stepping into. And, you know, I, I think if you're if you're Rocket Sanders, you're going to look at his resume and say, wow, this guy has has coached some backs that that have been really good
1: also look at similar to coley right what is one reason why there's maybe the primary reason you you could say why there was a change at the running back coach position and beamer talked about this a little bit the other day and just said hey i felt like we could make our program better so decided to make that change um so the recruiting aspect right so blackwell you know former quarterback at, at the university of south florida former high school coach in Florida. He's got a good many ties down in the Sunshine State. So what does he bring from a recruiting standpoint? It's a little different than Coley because Coley has, you know, a longer list of, you know, go up and down the list. Oh, man, look at all these five stars. Look at all these four stars. A little bit different with Blackwell. But he's worked with a lot of good players. He's recruited good players. And so I'm fascinated to see starting in the 2025 class, You know, what type of talent is he attracting to campus? What type of talent does he ultimately land?
2: You mentioned what Beamer, you know, talked about in his little opening riff there on Friday, and and the recruiting aspect was important. He also alluded to, you know, retention as well and you look back at the running back room over these past couple of years you obviously lose Marshawn Lloyd after 2022 going out to Southern Cal you just lost Mario Anderson this past off season, and yes NIL certainly factors into those two guys departing as well but but there you know is at least in Beamer's mind maybe something to what um, Ontario Hardesty was doing within that running back room that could have also contributed as well so looking at this with bringing in a guy like Blackwell hoping to have a little bit better retention with some of these running backs going forward
3: yeah I mean I, I think when you when you lose your guys to the portal, you you kind of you know that that is a part of today's college football from a big-picture standpoint, but you also got to look, hey, is there anything we could have done to, to keep some of these guys? And, you know, I, I go back to to this past season. Some, some of the very positions that we're looking at saying, man, there's question marks there, there's lack of depth there, you can go back to, well, that's the positions they lost top guys in the portal at. So I, I think – you know, would this have been a different – like, you can say whatever you want. Would this have been a different offense? Would this have been a better offense if Marshawn Lloyd was still in Columbia this past season? Absolutely it would have. So can you keep your guys around? Are there some things you can do to try and minimize your losses? Absolutely. And, you know, I thought it was interesting, too, Beamer talking about sort of that decision between – even if things aren't quite where you want them to be at a position – is it best to move on and make a change or is it best to where you feel like some continuity will help matters overall if you just tweak within sort of what you're already being asked to do. And we saw, you know, a lot of people have talked about the defense. We saw South Carolina tweak their defensive scheme down the stretch, have better results. Uh, I, I understand they're probably going to continue to look internally and tweak this off season, but they went the route of continuity and kind of continuing to move forward rather than just blow things up. So there, there's different ways to try and fix areas that you feel like need to be improved.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Beamer also gave us a couple new uh, nuggets as far as the offensive line goes and what a couple of guys are doing there. We'll get to that as well as some recruiting stuff from over the weekend as we wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Coming up next here on the game in Columbia, Florence, and Myrtle Beach, also on the 107.5 The Game app and streaming live on The Game TV.
0: Sakai is great uh, here, working out. Looks great, doing well. Excited and and um, eager to get going. Uh, Trey is working through some things right now. Um, uh, started out workouts with us last week, and and taking a little bit of time right now to kind of figure out what's next for him. And uh, everything's fine. It's nothing, you know, uh, concerning. He's just thinking through some things about the what the, what the next step is for him in regards to his. Uh, football career and and uh, something that we're
2: working through right now but we're in constant communication with welcome back in Gamecock essential takeover hour presented by Firehouse subs Tyler Head, West Mitchell Chris Clark along with you for a few more minutes here on the game in Columbia Florence and Immortal Beach streaming live on the 107.5 the game app and on the game tv sponsored by Shepherd's Glass that was coach Beamer on Friday giving a little bit of update to a couple guys on the offensive line and we did learn some more details as the weekend went along Trey Jones is going to be stepping away from football. Pierce he's going to be retiring from the game. Touchdown Wanamaker also moving away from football as well. And then Ja'Kai Moore is going to be returning for his COVID year, his sixth year of eligibility. So again, we talk about this room being full, but uh, this couple bodies that are going to be absent from this room, um, you know, going forward.
3: Yeah, so I guess we'll we'll kind of go through there. Um yeah, we had we had reported before the press conference that Trey was moving along was retiring from football, basically, and, um, you know, I mean, still stand by (laughs) um, that information with where it came from. But Beamer was asked about it. Then sort of um, he left the door open for him to return. Sure. Um, Now, Trey nor Tyshawn Wanamaker are on the official roster for South Carolina for the spring for 2024. So um, then Wanamaker, we confirmed after the fact that that meant, you know, he is moving on as well. And then with Ja'Kai, I mean y'all, y'all heard Beamer's answer. Like he he's on the he's on the roster for twenty twenty four. The little bio says that um, you know he he's back for a sixth year. I guess I thought it was a little bit. Beamer never said he's back for his sixth year, which put me in a weird situation trying to write it completely accurately. I guess, but it it I mean, how did yeah. you take that, Chris? Like all signs are he's as of now, planning to come back. Yeah,
1: and I think as of the presser, you're right. I mean, we, we had a handle on Trey even before that. And then later, we were kind of, you know, trying to dig around a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, all, all the, the information is since the press conference, Ja'Kai is coming back for that final year. Yeah. And so that, that that's what we've heard in addition to what he said. And so that now, you know, that does take – I mean, remember Trey Jones – he got inserted into the lineup for the Florida game and was, a you know, cited as a reason that they felt better about being able to run the ball. And, of course, more injuries hit, you know, at that time. But now, you know, you do lose a couple guys that have experience in the program, both South Carolina natives. And now you're down. Remember, the number was at, I think, 17. So now you're down to 15 offensive linemen. Still a good number in terms of scholarships. But there were maybe some signs of this, like, we thought South Carolina may be done in the transfer portal, and then they took Kamar Bell from FAU, and you're kind of going, okay. It's, we were tracking the possibility of maybe a couple more defections, and so now we have a, a better sense of where things actually are.
3: And I, I think people got – like I, I saw some reaction on social media, like why why is this happening? How does this happen? Why? Well, guess what? Sometimes when guys are older, like w- w- Wan- Wanamaker was very close to – leaving the game last offseason. So, I mean, playing college football, especially if you are a lineman, like, it may come with its perks. You get a free education. You know, you get to be semi-famous. But guess what? It is an undertaking on your body. Like, you get beat up. You get beat down. You, If your heart... Is not into it in terms of waking up every day at six a.m. or where, whenever it is, and then being at the state, or, you know, being at the football facility and working out and bringing that energy every single time you work out. If your heart's not in it, then you're you're going to be miserable no matter how well run the program is. So I, I think we got to acknowledge that sometimes when guys have been in a you know program four or five years, and with Wanamaker, you probably kind of looked around and saw a little bit of the writing on the wall
2: with the young players. It, it just it, – it actually does make sense. Yeah, it, it, it's tough to speculate. There could be family things, health things, obviously, um, as you mentioned – kind of the writing on the wall with the other guys coming in from the transfer portal and just because everybody now has at least for guys that were around in 2020 six years, six potential years of eligibility to use doesn't mean they're always going to use it so those guys may want to get a jump on whatever their next step of life is going to be and we certainly wish them you know, the best of luck and again South Carolina has gone out and addressed the offensive line pretty heavy in the transfer portal now may potential to add another body or two to that room now that these guys have, um, have moved on and again knock on wood everybody stays healthy to um, you know, have a solid unit when the fall rolls around.
3: Yeah, and I, I was just surprised to see people being surprised about this. Like, it, it just – I don't know. It, it makes a lot of sense to me. Older guys, sometimes they, they just want to move along, and uh, you you certainly understand that and respect that. Yeah, and, I, you know, not surprising on this. And, Tyler, to the, to the point about the portal,
1: you know, I think South Carolina might keep an open mind of, hey, maybe in the spring there's a really good offensive lineman that jumps in the portal, and it, and it might make some sense to you. You would also – Keep in mind, going through spring, you've got a better sense of what your roster looks like, you know, how are the are, are any freshmen progressing? Have your guys from last year, have they taken a step forward? How do the transfers look that you brought in? And you'll have a better sense to where you can kind of reassess that. I think it's possible that they just stand pat from a numbers standpoint because, again, you've got 15 guys on your roster. A lot of them have already played for you, and then you've got some new additions. I, I could see – I I felt like 17 was probably too high of a number, like that, that was going to decrease with right. Wanamaker, maybe someone else leaving. So we'll see where it goes, but they do have the spring to kind of reassess that.
2: get into more of the Beamer conversation tomorrow as well as look back on what was a busy weekend from a recruiting standpoint as well. i will do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Coming up next is the Halftime Show with myself and Terry Ford.